Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thank you for listening to Spin, the rally pod, brought to you by Dirtfish Rally School. For your chance to experience life behind the wheel of a rally car, head to drive.dirtfish.com to find the course that's right for you. What are you waiting for? We're right here waiting for you. Well, hello, rally friends. It's Spin the Rally Pod time, and this one is a Rally Chile preview. Now, it's been a few years since we went to Rally Chile. We were due to go back. It just didn't happen, sadly, did it? But we are going back, and we're going back this week for something a little bit new. I'm Colin Clark, and joining me on this edition of Spin the Rally Pod, as always... It is our head of media, David Evans. A very good morning, David. Yeah, whatever, Colin. You're only sounding so <laughs> chirpy. <laughs> you're only sounding sound so chirpy because you're, mile, you're miles away and it's absolutely not early morning for you, is it? <laughs> Tell us what time it is for you, Mr. Clark. Yeah, it's uh, 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, it's it's a gorgeous afternoon. The sun's out. I've had, I've had a couple of coffees, a nice lunch and all the rest. You can sound as miserable as you like. It's gorgeous here. Uh, go away into your miserable little little corner for a second while we introduce Luke. Luke Berry, our editor. How are you, mate? I'm well. How are you, Colin? I think I've just called you Luke Berry again. You have, but I wasn't going to call you up on it. It's, it's a regular theme there, isn't it? It's just my name. It's to a you. regular thing. <laughs> it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. I have a terrible block with your name because I always think of that fantastic actor that used to be on EastEnders and sang beautifully. What was his name? Nick, Nick Berry. Berry. <laughs> so not Luke at all. Excellent. That's a strange comparison. I've never had that before, Colin. So fair play. That's a first for me. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I've though. heard you singing. I've heard you singing though. And uh, I think joining us is our former team boss. It's George Donaldson. George, good morning to you. Good morning, uh, Colin. You also can't say Friday, so it's not surprising you can't say Barry. So <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, start, start so off with a jive. It's not at all. He just says yeah, that... Friday in a rather unique way. There you go. Do I? Yes, you do. Say it. Friday. Say it, say it Colin. Friday. 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 F-R-Y-D-A-Y. Oh, Georgie, no one has ever picked me up on that, ever, in my 53 years of existence on this earth. It's, You're the only person. Colin, at it's this bugged point me for 20 years. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> David, if, 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 if that oh, was the dear. only thing that had bugged you for 20 years, we'd be lucky, wouldn't we? <laughs> right, chili. Oh, chili, well, chili. Well, oh, no, chili. Ch- before, before we do chili, you've got to tell us where you are and what you've been doing. Yeah, New Zealand. New Zealand, so, so lucky to have been invited back to New Zealand to cover, um, you know, one of their rallies that, that, that's got a little bit of a myth and a, a legend around it, the Daybreaker Rally. They, they resurrected it this year. A couple of lads, uh, T-Mac and Paul, really dynamic guys. Um, and they invited Dirtfish down there to, to help them cover the rally. And, and it was fantastic. Listen, we were in, George, you'll know where we were. We were on 
in the south of the North Island, in the Rangitiki and the Manawatu region. So um, I suppose the biggest, uh, the biggest town nearby was, was Palmy, Palmerston North. Uh, and we were in the countryside all around there. But it, it was just fantastic. You know, rallying is so healthy in New Zealand just now. 94 entries. There were 90 cars, I think, took to the start ramp. Um, do you know, it was only one day, the rally. It, it got its name, the Daybreaker, because it used to start at midnight and go 36 hours for many, many hundreds of kilometres. Uh, it wasn't quite that extreme this time around. The first stage was just after six in the morning. But nine stages, nine first passes... So every kilometre was new, um, 158 kilometres in total, uh, and just, just an amazing rally, a really, really well-run rally by a couple of guys who, who understand you know, the commercial side of rallying and the need to maybe change the way we traditionally present rallying um, to try and get a, a newer audience and to make it a lot more audience-friendly, if you like. And that, that's the audience who actually come along and watch the rallies and the audience who are consuming all the media online and... And it was a joy. I have to say it was, um, it was great to see some, some really quality drivers, some quality drives out there. Uh, as I say, the roads themselves are just quite remarkable. Uh, and the weather, goodness me, it was lovely in the morning. By the time we got to the last three stages, I was absolutely soaked to the skin. Well, other than that, it was fantastic. What about the roads, though, Cole? Because, I mean, tell us, yeah. give us a little bit more. Palmy North is famous for one thing, and that's obviously our favourite Kiwi snapper photographer, Ross High. Oh. Uh, good, Roscoe High. I'm sure good for you to see Roscoe down there. But we went in with Rally New Zealand. George, you would have gone further. You would have gone to Rotorua, perhaps south of there. But we were st- that was yes. Palmy's further south, isn't it, Cole? Tell us yeah. where it is and, and tell us about the, the roads. Are they kind of Otago? Are they are they well, North no, Island? I, are they? This is the very strange thing, David. Is is that um, you know the roads are quite unique and. And, and do you know what? The, the, the roads to the north around Auckland, north mm. of Auckland, and then south, as you say, down towards Rotorua, you, they have a very distinct look and feel to them, don't they? They're, they're flowing, they're cambered, relatively wide. Uh, then you go down to Otago for, for the, or Dunedin for the Otago rally, and they're different again. They're a little bit narrower, a bit Finland-like, but maybe with a little bit more undulation in them. These roads were different again. They were very, very narrow, tight and twisty, in places, stunning, stunning countryside that they ran through. Lots of very steep gorges. In fact, when we were wrecking, um, there was a plane came by literally skimming over the top of our heads while we were coming down one of these these mountain roads. Um, and I asked the guy that we were with, I said, what's that all about? It was Lance, Lance Hasty, who was mm. doing the media work. And he said, um, well, it's the only way to actually fertilise the fields around here is by helicopter, is by airplane. You, you can't do it any other way because they... You know, it's so, um, it's not mountainous, but it's, it's lots of kind of um, gorges and lots of really steep sides to the roads. And, uh, you know, and the only way they can fertilize the fields for all the zillions of sheep that are there is by airplane. So, uh, no, the roads are very different from, from the roads we know for Rally New Zealand. And they're different again from the roads that we know from the Otago Rally. And, and, and that's what's, again, really quite interesting about New Zealand rallying is that diversity they have in their roads. Yeah. Totally, George. Any have you any great memories of? Would that be right? You would have gone about as far south as not much further south than Rotorua. No, we went a fair bit further south than Rotorua. I remember doing lots of forest <laughs> stages. There were some classic forest stages down there. They were quite quite. Uh, were they British like? I don't think they were necessarily British like. Maybe a bit like uh, British forest. Maramarua. Some, somehow with Maramarua our... forest. Remember that one. 
Mar- yes. Marilla. Yeah. Great yeah. name. Yeah. That's near. Look, that's but, not far from Rotorua. It's. I think it's a bit further north. I think actually. And then you went away down sorry? to Motu. That was Motu was away south yeah. of of um, of of of, um, of Rotorua. So it was away away down the road. It was a good way down. The, the the times we went down there, I was I was most often in an airplane at twenty thousand feet doing the comms. That was before we had reliable repeater stations in them. So some poor sucker got put up in an airplane, and that was me. And you'd be up there for, you'd be up in a pressurized aircraft for twelve hours a day, with with with, yeah. with good fuel consumption. Actually, that one that one I think we had to land once a day and get fuel. Uh, we couldn't stay up for the full the full stint. But I remember going to airfields where you actually had to transmit on a frequency to get the lights to light up. So you transmit on this frequency, like three clicks, and the lights on the runway came on, and you landed at you landed on the <laughs> at the airfield, and you went up and Fantastic. put a credit card into a, a machine and got fuel, and then took off again. And that was in the night, you know, amazing. Jeez, no, it's 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 you know, but but airplanes are the way to get around in New Zealand, aren't they? I mean, it's it's. Well, you know, it's not a, it's not a, an enormous population, but no. it's a big old country from north to south across it the two is, islands. It and, is, and, and those fabulous roads. Here's the thing, George. Yeah. He, here's the thing. So I have never got onto a commercial aeroplane ever without a security check. Yeah. And for for the domestic flights in New Zealand, it is like getting on a bus. It is quite literally like getting on a bus. They check your ticket and on you go. There's no security checks. Um, it did surprise me. I thought maybe I was doing something wrong at first, but nope. It was, it's how they do it. It's it's a little bit nice when you can do that. It's it's how the world should mm. be, of course. But uh, there are yeah, disaffected yeah. people for whatever reason, and, and that's what happens. The disaffect, Talking of disaffected people, you've got the New Zealand police to deal with on those lovely roads. Oof. And uh, they're, oh, they're a bit, yeah. they're, they're a bit, uh, they're a bit aggressive, really. And uh, apparently, well, doing three kph over the speed limit when you when you're going up and down steep hills, and you know you on the overrun, you you maybe do sixty three kph, and that's it. You get an eighty dollar fine or a ninety dollar fine, yeah. and a very 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 outraged little policeman who is just regarding <laughs> you as some form of mollusk for doing three kph <laughs> over the speed limit. Good morning well, to all what, of our I New think, Zealand police yeah. friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, were, they were all very friendly, George, that I came across, but none of them were little. They no. were all monstrous yeah. blokes. They were like the New Zealand rugby team. Well, yeah, like, a little bit like that guy we... Small about them. A little bit like <laughs> oh. that guy that we met, Cole. And, uh, oh, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was quite a big fella, wasn't he? He was quite... He, he, was, he was a big fella and he... Sort of passive-aggressive. quietly... Quietly but forcefully disagreed with your driving. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. He did. Let's uh, move yeah. on to Chile. Uh, no. Indeed. Oh, can I just mention one more thing, David? One yes. more thing, just about about New Zealand. And and before we go on, you're quite right. We do have to move on to Chile. But one more thing: New Zealand Rally Championship penultimate round, 44 entries, decent, healthy, yeah. looking good. How many did we have in the UK at the weekend? Again, <clears> moving six on. Or seven, eight. Moving on. Uh, yeah, Rally Chile. Well, um, David, but, but, sorry, we'll, before we before we do Rally Chile, thirty seconds. This this was meant to be our two hundredth podcast. It's oh, actually yes. it's actually our two hundred and first. But my daughter very kindly baked us a cake, which is hey. absolutely gorgeous. I've sent you a photograph on WhatsApp, guys. I'm sure we could put it on the website. We George, it's a magnificent. It's it's got exactly the right colours. The dirtfish orange is bang on. How did she do that? It's it, beautiful. That was all done by hand, actually, completely by hand. Wow. Yeah. Wow. She's a clever and, girl. And in fairness, Samantha knows all about Dirtfish because she's she's starred at Dirtfish, hasn't she, George? 
she has and uh, we were just t together at the weekend looking at her videos um she's 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 struggled to look at them she was too embarrassed to look at her videos of her driving and she was driving so incredibly well so assertively correctly and uh, the dirtfish team did a great job of guiding her and you, you say instructing i'm not sure if it's instructing i think it's releasing the inner driver in people but they did it so nicely. She's a very shy and uh, very self-effacing girl. And, and uh, she came out of her shell there. The guys looked after her so well, guys and gals, let's go say. And uh, the, she, she was extremely accomplished. I, I, was, I was looking at what she was managing on corners. And frankly, she was doing better than me in some places. Uh, and, and I mean, I'm not that I want to sound boastful because I, I don't want to be, but I, I do have the experience and I should have been doing maybe better than I was, but I was doing my best and she was doing better. So there you go. So that's Dirtfish that, for you. Get out there and have fun, guys. Absolutely. And that is some sort of cake as well. That that You will look on our socials uh, to celebrate the 200 <coughs> and first well, podcast. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, going down, I'm going down to Edinburgh today. So Luke, I might try and find you and bring you a slice. George, I'll, what is I'll it? take that. Is it, is it sponge cake? Or is it jam a, sponge? A, no, it? I think it's a chocolate sponge cake. I think that's what oh it is. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I've no, I've no idea what's in, I've no idea what's in the middle, but there'll be something in the middle as well. Oh, I want, wow. I wanted Lovely. lemon, I wanted lemon curd in it, but I don't think I've succeeded in that desire. <laughs> I, I had a lemon curd yogurt yesterday. Oh, that'd be gorgeous! It was actually. It was actually really, really good. Anyway, uh, as you know, enough of that. Enough of New Zealand. Uh, let's move on to Chile. Luke, Luke, are you still with us? I am still here. <laughs> oh, very good. How many cups of coffee have you had this morning? Uh, no, none, actually, because this time for me in the morning is too early for a coffee. I'm like the opposite of you, Colin. I think really? Too, really? coffee too early and I crash very quickly. So I'm trying to be oh, wow. sustainable with my energy for the day ahead. So no coffee, oh, wow. just vim till squash, would you believe? Bit of a different one. Ooh. <laughs> there we are. It's an interesting one. <laughs> it is. Uh, terribly Scottish as well. Um, <laughs> at this time of the morning. Should look, it be an uh, iron brew? Chili. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, maybe. Maybe. maybe no, no, no fizzy drinks for 12, David. Come on. That, that's right, the rule. Uh, look, let, tell us about Rally Chili. Tell us about um, the changes, because it is very different from the one that we saw. Was it three years ago? Four, Four. years ago, wasn't it? Four years ago, yeah. As much as I think it would be good for me to make a contribution, I actually might pass over to David Evans for this one because he's the man that that got the information from Alan Panas, who I didn't know was working with Chile this year. But the things you find out in rallying, but a very good article went on Dirtfish over the weekend, essentially explaining the changes over the last, I say, as you said, four years. And it's been quite a few, David. Yeah, no, they have. They have. And I mean, the, the there's a lot of stuff, obviously. The route has evolved. Uh, quite a lot. It's brand new Friday, brand new Sunday. I think there's only one stage in total that is as was in 2019. Um, but yeah, Alan obviously is well known um, as the former team manager at Hyundai. He's also the man who's who's run Ipa Rally for a lot of years. Uh, so huge experience of running events, um, and he's been working with them since since January. Uh, just put together a, a great route. But like he said in in the piece, you know, he said you come to these junctions and do you turn left or do you turn right? It doesn't matter because the roads are just stunning in every direction. And I think <laughs> what a fabulous, what a fabulous situation. It sounds like full-on yeah. rally country, this does. 
it's it's great. I do remember a bit of that, Col. You and I did a recce there, yeah. didn't we, four years ago, and had a, a bit of a poke around. And I remember coming out of one hairpin, a, a hairpin right at the top, and you could see right over to the Pacific. And but if you turned your back to the sea, you would just be you were in the middle of Dovey Forest, weren't you? It, it was incredible, wasn't it? How how very Welsh pine forest it was like. Mm. Is it pine forest, whatever, whatever the trees are? Um, yeah, incredible, and, and the surface was very similar. And I guess that's because you know, it is it is a forest, and it's a, a forest that's there to be to be logged. And you know, the roads are constructed in a very similar way to the the forest roads in Mid Wales. Um, it, it was it, for me, it was incredible, and it's it's interesting that more or less they've moved away from from the stages that we saw four years ago because I don't recall the stages actually presenting any problems I, I remember they were really well received four years ago so but I, I think it's it's more to do isn't it with the fact that they've got different regions involved this time around um, and we're moving towards Los Angeles aren't we and 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 different parts of the bio bio region um, but no the stages four years ago were, were really really good and, and were really well received from what I remember by by most of the drivers but it, I think there's also been these issues hasn't the loop that that obviously they had there's been fires and and now there's been an awful lot of rain, so they've they've had to work on some of the roads. And Alan was saying, you know, some of the f- the fields will still be underwater when we get there. There's, the, the rain's been that oh, wow. heavy. Yeah, so they've, it, you know, in a story very very similar to to one the one that we saw in Greece not not long ago. Uh, it's it it's been one of those. Um, but I think the one thing that I'm going to put you on the spot here, Luke. Uh, and okay. I've, <laughs> I've sort of tried, but I think collectively we've got four brilliant minds here who can do know about rallying and maths. What does Kelly have to do to uh, win the championship? No, no, I saw, I, I, saw, I saw this in your notes, and then when you said the word maths, I thought, oh, brilliant, here it comes. Now, I'm famously notorious. I, now. I judiciously did not even turn my computer on. <laughs> I've worked it out. Uh, well, he's Have got you? a twenty. Well done, Colin. Yeah, he's, he's got what twenty? Th- no, thirty-three points in hand, doesn't he? So to be champion at the yeah. end of this, he obviously needs sixty. So that's what a twenty-seven point swing. So realistically, yeah, it's a Cali win, an Elvin. Well, Cali win and probably a Paris Paris point, some sort. Yeah, an Elvin, not many points. So there'll be various scenarios which change that. Elvin could be like tenth or something with no Paris stage points, and Rovin Perra could win with three or something, but. Yeah, it's it's quite unlikely. But I don't want to say that because that's when obviously things will happen and we have a champion at the end of the weekend. But the thing is, it's a strange balance we're in still with this championship because Robin Perry is the favourite. We all know that. But again, would it be the biggest surprise in the world if maybe a problem to hit him and Elvin got a win? And if he gets a win in the Paris stage, when it's only three points between them, but Robin Perry doesn't score. So oh, it, it could that. swing either it could swing either way still. Robin Perry is the favourite, but it's not done. Which I think is it's easy to forget that, and I think obviously Robin Perez's response to his Finland retirement in Greece was deeply impressive. He got his own thirty-point score after Elvin got one, mm. but it is interesting. This thing is is so finely balanced with so few rounds left. I keep forgetting we've only got three rounds left of the year, and we have to start thinking about this sort of stuff then. Yeah. So, yeah. guys, so it, it, what's what's the jeopardy like there? I mean, you know, is it <laughs> is it just a fast high-speed rally, or is it Colin's favourite word, jeopardy? Is you know. It, you, you mentioned George, I think, I think, fields covered in water. Are, are, are the stages slippery, wet? Are there big puddles? Are there big soft areas that could pull a car in? What 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 is the scenario there? Yeah, you know, I I think when you go to any rally where you know ninety percent of the stages are new to everyone, 
there's clearly jeopardy. There's jeopardy in terms of, uh, you know, how the, the stages evolve, um, mm. jeopardy in terms of road position. There's all sorts. And as you say, you throw in those factors with the rain and the weather and, uh, you know, they've had fires and all sorts around there as well. So, uh, no, it, it is, it is, it's not predictable. And, and you talk about jeopardy. Look at the enormous crash that Thierry Neville had there um, four years ago. And that stage, David, is, is, is running again this year, isn't it? So yep. you can see, you know, when you've got logging forests, we mm. saw it with, remember with Sebastian, oh. Oge, uh, Sebastian Loeb in Poland in 2009, um, you're coming through a, a section, through a, a bit of a logged forest and took a little bit of a cut that was just maybe a little bit ambitious and caught a, a stump. There's lots of stumps yeah. around. There's lots, yeah. never mind rocks, there's a lot of stumps that are half embedded, half hidden, all that kind of uh, potential for catching drivers out. You know, you've got to do and you've got to have um, a bang-on recce to take out an awful lot of that jeopardy. But wasn't it foggy on the, the, the recce last time, mm. David? I think it was, yeah, wasn't it? There's was, was issues with fog and all sorts. That is the issue, is that obviously the Biobio River is, is there running through the valley and then there's the Pacific there. Mm. And then there's obviously the Andes. So those that weather gets kind yeah. of trapped. Uh, George would obviously probably even be able to draw us a picture. Uh, but explain, George, how... <laughs> how the, the the moist air comes in off the sea and it can't rise above the mountains or something. Yeah, well, we've got antibiotic winds, antibiotic winds. Uh, That's yeah, all, the all ones. Those, all those yeah. good, all those good, David, all those good things. George, yeah. before before you explain that, can I just voice my frustration once again at David Evans? You know, he did a geography degree and he always <laughs> defers to you, George. He defers straight, he pings it straight back to you. When I want from David Evans a full description of the weather and how it evolves. I did a joint like, oh, on us. I'm not sure I ever did antibiotic yeah, wind. To, to, be honest, to be honest, it, it's probably about 40 years since forty years ago since I did some form of, of weather uh, 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 study, which, which was for my pilot's license. And I, I did do it at school a little bit. So it's all a little bit hazy. And, and, and normally I would actually have to go and just look a few things up again to get myself absolutely correct. Because I know that we have some... Very clever um, listeners out there who, when if, if I say the wrong thing, they will catch me. If I mention a rock's basaltic, and it and it's and it's an obsidian, I get I get a message, you know, about that. And I, I love hate the it when people get those so. mixed up. Hate it. It's just it's, it's yeah, unforgivable, yeah. isn't it, David? It's unforgivable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I felt that. I felt that. So basically, I'm going to shut up about the weather. But um, I mean, you're, you, the Andes right behind you there. Obviously, you, you've you've got the, the 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 vast Pacific driving weather, and I'm sure it's more frontal weather than than uh, gently rising air and falling air. But but certainly, those factors all cause the the, the potential for mist and and um, obviously the, the massive rainfalls that they do get there in Chile. Um, so yeah. they're, they're quite they're quite used to it. They're quite used to dealing with it. It's nothing out of the ordinary, I guess. But um, a nice little mix there for our rally our rally drivers. And and yes, you could get quite extreme weather, I guess. Um, extreme well, it, rainfall, it, it, anyway. Got, yeah, and and you know any weather at this time of year, apparently, from from snow down to almost you know mini heat waves. So anything could happen. I'm just just looking up now, George. The forecast. I'm sure you've already done it, Concepcion. So Conception, remember, is where the service park is, and the stages, actually, when they head towards Los Angeles, um, they're a fair distance away, but let's have a wee look at the forecast for Conception. It doesn't look too bad. doesn't look too bad. So Conception, which is where the service park is, a little bit of rain today, and then dry, according to this forecast, for the rest of the week. 15 degrees Wednesday, 16 full sun on Thursday, 20 in full sun on Friday, yeah. 
God. Uh, you're like, no, David, that's not too bad for you. 16 parts on Saturday and 14 with part sun on Sunday. So yeah. they're not forecasting too much rain for conception. But as you say, George, with the mountains, anything could happen. It is um, not not much in the way of wind. So that means a little bit more possibility of fog and things, David, maybe in the morning. Mm. I see it's getting down to seven degrees, so warm during the day, lifts the moisture into the air. And then as it cools at night, it condenses and makes a lovely fog. So maybe some early morning fog as well, potentially. It, fog would it's make certainly it common around interesting, there. wouldn't it? Yeah, one but the big thing I suppose is is how much uh, rain is around on the Wednesday Thursday for the Friday stage. What what sort of shape is Kelly going to be on in running first on the road? Will he be? It looks. Will he be no, the road sweep like or will he lose a minute? It looks like it's going to dry up. So t- today yeah, so a little bit of rain. A little bit of rain today. Almost none tomorrow. Almost none on Wednesday. Uh, 14 degrees. Lots of sunshine. The road will dry out where the sun gets through the trees. There'll be wet patches, um, and there's a you know there's a little breeze in in the forests. That 10, 10, 12 mile an hour breeze that we're seeing uh, won't have much effect in the forest at drying. But I think generally speaking, uh, the lower temperature at night means it condenses back. I, I think it'll be running on a damp road, so maybe not maybe not too awful. But I, I, I don't I don't mm. I've never been, so I don't know the topography and the the sort of style of the stages and the style of the roads and you know what are they made up of are they just mud roads formed into into forest roads or no, they're, they, they're, you know, they're, properly they're, engineered they are roads? They're, they're good good engineered you know it's, it, yeah. it is uh they they take a lot of so wood out of the forest so right, so, so no they're good yeah, but yeah, luke, so well luke one question for you luke your your point there with calais response in greece was actually a really strong one and i'd kind of forgotten that he he went first and first with the power stage and Elvin was sort of very much second and second, wasn't it? What what do you reckon is going to be Elvin's state of mind here? And what does he what does he do? What does he do? Is it is it absolute all or nothing for him? I think in a in a sense it has to be, doesn't it? Because he hasn't really got anything to lose. Yes, he could lose potentially second place at Newville, but drivers aren't particularly motivated by becoming second or third. It doesn't really matter too much. What he all he has to gain is, is points against Robin Perra if he can. Now, I actually can't remember what Evans' form was in this event um, four years ago. Obviously, it was very different. It was in a different car back then. He's still with M Sport. Um, but if we use the... I remember there was a lot of comparisons between Wales, Rally GB. I'm pretty sure Yari Mati Latva likened it to Finland in some places. That's good news if you're Elvin Evans because they're two good events for him. So combine the two and it should actually be a rally which he enjoys. But just on the on the first on the road debate, and I can't remember the weather c- completely from 19, but Thierry Neuville, I'm sure, was first on the Friday four years ago. And he didn't struggle too much, did he, from memory? I'm pretty sure he was up there near around the podium yeah, on the first day. Um, So it might be one of those where actually, compa- well, certainly compared to other gravel events, I'm thinking like Portugal, Sardinia, the likes, this is going to be a lot easier, even if it is bone dry for Robin Perra. And we've seen it in a way that it doesn't matter where he is on the road. Cali has his ability, and Greece was, the, I guess, the key example of that. I know there were others that sort of fell apart in front of him, Ogier and Yuvel being the two candidates that were ahead, but Robin Perra was right there when he started first on the road. And I know, again, the weather was a bit different. It was wet to start with, but it dried out pretty quickly. So he's, he's the almost, if you're trying to fight against him, it's, it's difficult to... It must be extremely difficult, A, to find the pace to be quicker than him. But you just sort of know mm. Rovenpair has everything covered. This this is the thing with... And I'm almost going to 
go against what I said earlier to try and ham the championship fight up. It is true. Rovan Pera could score zero points. Anything can happen. But the likelihood of that, to me, is very difficult to see. Elvin just has to make sure he's ahead, um, fundamentally. That's what he has to do. So mm. the simple question in terms of his mindset, I, I don't think he's going to be risking everything straight out the bat. He's not that kind of driver that will just throw the kitchen sink at it on stage one. But I, th- I think realistically, he, he has to go for it. He really has to just make sure he gets ahead of Cali. Even if it's only by a place and it's not going to make a huge difference, it's something. If he loses ground here, I think it pretty much is all over for him. Well, I just I, I totally you know, disagree with you, Barry. Uh, uh, Barry. Barry. Well, at least it wasn't Barry, George. <laughs> you've Sorry, got me. You've got me away. You got me away now, Colin. Sorry, mate. Go on, fight me, George. Um, so, sorry, but, right. Okay. So I I, I don't think that on, on all the, the 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 efforts that we've got, all the all the evidence we've got, uh, Elvin is not going to beat Kali Rovin Perra on even grounds on the same day. As you mentioned, Cali's got it covered. Elfin is so incredibly close, but he's never quite prepared to take that last risk to match uh, um, yeah. Cali's pace. So, so he he will he cannot target finishing in front of Cali on performance. Yeah. What he can do is continue to play his numbers game, uh, be the best of the rest. Uh, it keeps a massive amount of pressure on Cali, and, and make sure that. That, uh, that he keeps Cali honest, and if Cali makes a mistake, then he he yeah. pounces, and he's got to play that all the way to the end. The numbers game works, but only if you play it the full distance. If you flinch, if you if you fall off that that wagon, you're gone. And I can give you examples of world champions that have been formed by staying on that. Richard Burns was world rally champion because he played the numbers game. He was brilliant driver. And he knew, but he knew where his strengths were, and he knew where he had to mitigate his his not his weaknesses, his his uh, well, maybe you want to call it his weaknesses. I don't know. Uh, uh, and Peter Solberg was exactly the same. He played the numbers game. So yeah, George, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I, I can't see Elvin changing anything because that's mm-hmm. not been his way over the last couple of years. You know, he he doesn't change the approach. The approach is whatever happens happens you know yeah. i'll go into the stages t- and i will try my best and he's always trying his best but if it's not quite enough you know i'm not going to try something different yeah. i'm not going to take any risks and we don't have to look back too far to see the positive results for elvin of that numbers game you remember finland he yeah. was right there he was thereabouts he, he wasn't yeah. giving cali the opportunity to relax and yeah. cali had to stay on it yeah. and you know, rarely, but he made a mistake. Yeah. He was out. So I, I'm with you. I, I don't think I don't think Elvin can change anything. Um, I'm gonna, I, I, that's exactly I'm, the point. I'm going to agree with Luke, just because I feel that somebody should <laughs> oh agree with Luke. Oh my God! I think you all ganged up on him. Oh my God! All I'll say on this is I didn't. I don't know if it came across <laughs> this way, but I, I wasn't necessarily inferring that Elvin should change anything about the way he goes about it. I just, I just think I, I don't think it's an unfair target to try and beat Rovin Pair, I think that's obvious. But I do completely agree with what you're yeah. saying, George, in that the numbers game, yeah. that is where Elvin is strongest. That That's what he's always brought to the table. And you, and you think back to both his world chapter deciders against Ogier, yeah. that was what he brought to the table yeah. in those years. It's what he does. But I still, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think he needs to but do anything different, it, but I still think he needs to, the target will, will be to beat Rovin Pair. The target's to win every rally. So by proxy, that is to beat Cali, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, no. no but mean, you, I, you also I said, Luke, that he should maybe take some risks, and, and Elvin isn't one to take risks. Uh-huh. 
Uh, he might have to risk it, and, and he, he, he doesn't have to risk on it. This one, yeah, he certainly shouldn't on this one. But so basically, the championship is down to Cali Rovin Perra has the pace. He's the pace setter. Yeah. He's he's exercising this unbelievably brilliant display of skill and understanding. But he has made the odd mistake. Um, he's not overly in a pressured situation, but he's not got all the pressure off him. So uh, is he feeling it? I, I suspect he's, he's, he's not, but sometimes his driving has has uh, perhaps revealed uh, that that somehow it's affecting him. Is he going to go to this one? And so basically it, it sits in, in, in Cali's hands. To de- he, he decides how he's going to drive. If, if, he, if he decides to go flat out and take the measure, um, he'll... Uh, He'll expose himself to a few extra risks, and 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 that's why we've seen him, I guess, make these little mm. mistakes. He couldn't explain his his Finland mistake. I mean, he wasn't particularly taking chances, but but you know he was obviously pushing out there, but uh, not in his view taking any big chances. But he just got caught out by a funny little bit of road, and Elvin didn't, I guess, is the bottom line. They're all on a hiding to nothing anyway, because Oit Tanek's going to win this week. It's very obvious. <laughs> All rallying, one source. By now, you know that Dirtfish.com is the place to go for all of your rallying news. But when it's time to try your hand behind the wheel, just join us here at Dirtfish Rally School, nestled in the Cascade Mountains in Snoqualmie, Washington. Whether you're a pro seeking extra seat time or a novice looking to get started, we've got programs tailored to all rallying needs. And when you want to watch the best in the world, just head over to our YouTube channel. Our coverage of the WRC and American rallying is second to none. Follow us at Dirtfish Rally across all social media platforms and shop the latest looks in our merchandise store now. As always, rally on. So just to just to complete the championship picture, there are four drivers still in with a shot of the championship this year. Thierry Neville is uh, 76 points behind and Oit Tanak is uh, 81 points. 66, behind. David. Sorry. Just, just, oh, yeah, just 66. Right there. Sorry, mate. Oh, yeah, sorry. 66 so, so Tanak still is in it. Blimey, Mathsly. geography and maths failing. T- mm. Pardon me. Sorry, so, yeah, so, so, yeah, Mary, so, what was that? So, so, so Oit is still in it mathematically. If It's a very remote chance. Well, he is. He's yes, still in he it, is, is he? He's okay. only 81 points behind and there's, there's 90 on the table. So if Thierry, Elvin and Calais all have problems. <laughs> Three awful rallies. CR and Japan, Oit will be world champion again. It's stranger. Well, have stranger things happened? You heard it here first. I'm everyone, not quite sure they have, but David has just jinxed WRC. Actually, yeah. For, for mm. me though, I think you know, I, I'm obviously made slightly made light of that situation there. But for me, Tanak absolutely is a threat on this kind of event. Um, I think Thierry. There's always that nagging doubt, isn't there, when you've had a big shunt um, and then you've not been back to a place for a while. Um, probably there's not actually. In all fairness, if you're a, when you're a professional at the level that Thierry operates at, mm. there's not an issue at all. But I think Tanak is overdue a result. I think M Sport is is overdue a result. I think it it will when it all hooks up and when it all works. We we've seen the most astonishing speed from from Oit Tanak, and I think we could see we could see yeah. some of that this week. Uh, and it would be it would be a joy to see. Yeah, no, it would be it would be great to see him finding some pace, David, uh, because as you say, you're on his day. And, and you, Robin Perra right now is absolutely the class of the field. And we need Tanak on form. We need Neuville on form. And we need Evans to find a little bit more form. Um, you know, because Robin Perra needs to be challenged. And Tanak, for me, 
is the one that absolutely has the ability to take titles away from Cali Robinpera. Probably not. In fact, almost certainly not this year. Um, but in the future, Tanak just has, uh, you know, and we saw it in Finland last year, and we've seen it demonstrated many times. He's got that inner steel, hasn't he, uh, which you need to have. He's got that selfishness. He's got um, that lack of fear, that lack of consequence. You worry about consequence. And uh, you're not all drivers have that. Tanak has got it. Uh, and when it comes together for Tanak, he still has for sure the ability and the pace to take the fight very much to Robin Perra. I'm not sure that Elfin as yet has got that, that, that full package to take the fight to Robin Perra. And I'm pretty sure that Thierry hasn't quite got the full package yet. There is something missing with Thierry Neville, sadly. Um, and and you know, we see it every single year. We keep asking questions about this time of year. Not quite sure what it is, George. You'll be able to tell us with a bit of an analysis what it is that he's missing compared to other world champions. Uh, but no, for me, for me, Tanak is the man. And oh, how good would it be to see him taking a win there? It'd be incredible. But here's a question. Here's a question for you, George and, and David and Luke. M Sport running four cars on this event. Yes. Is that a help or a hindrance for Tanak? Uh, or doesn't it matter? Doesn't it matter one little jot? I don't it, know. It should not matter a jot to him at all. Uh, you know, the team will be giving him the very, very best car they have, and we've, we know they've seen we've seen some uh, some uh, missteps in the way that the car has come forward. I don't want to call it bad luck because that that would be rude to the team to call it bad luck. But uh, uh, you know, I'm sure that they've acknowledged and analysed out their the, the the failures they've had. I'm sure they'll be coming to. I really sincerely am sure and very much hope that they're coming to, to Chile with a car that's that's 100% for, for Ott and for all the drivers uh, in that case um, and just and just go out and have a fabulous event. I mean, M-Sport have run eight World Rally cars on some, some events, I'm sure, and we never yeah. saw anything detrimental towards the, the top drivers at all. There's never any swing in the focus there. They're one of the few teams that can do this. And quite clearly, they're, they're, they, they, they have exercised that ability in the past. I know there'll be a lot of personnel changes since they've done that, of course, but, but the, the ethos and the, the concept is the same. And it's what, it's what they do and it's, it's what they're good at doing. Um, I mean, if you want to drive a world rally car and if you had a really strong desire to drive a world rally car, you wouldn't be going anywhere else except M-Sport. They're the only ones with the ability and the, well, the, the, the commercial setup to do it. And, and, you know, that's an incredible thing that they do for a lot of people. It's a shame that more people don't take it. I don't quite understand why there's not been more of the, the top, you know, the, the top, uh, how, how do you call it, gentleman drivers or, you know, um, aspiring uh, aspiring amateurs coming in and trying these cars a little bit more because whilst there's a lot of talk about how they're different to drive, um, we could see from Jordan Serderidis, who is, you know, will be the first to admit, you know, he's not a top driver. He drives for fun. He certainly seemed to still be having absolute fun in that car. It's a, it's a monster rally car, you know, of, of Group B ilk in terms of power and the explosive performance. But it's got... A, a, a 21st century chassis. It's quite clearly one of the most fantastic cars to drive. We've seen Sebastian Loeb jump into it and win first time out. We've seen Ot Tanak just jump into it and leisurely, you know, walk away from the field on some events. So yeah, I, I, why are, are more people not doing it? Presume it's the expense. Well, that's, I mean, we're starting to get into different sort of philosophical territory why that is, and I'll not digress any further into that, but Great car, get out there and do it. 
in, in yep. short, no problem for a lot this weekend, Colin. Well, that's great stuff. Now, uh, listen, I have to make some apologies for David. David Evans, as we all know, is the world's greatest WRC journalist and occasionally the world's greatest WRC journalist has appointments he cannot miss. So he's headed off. David, we will miss you for sure. Uh, look, look, George is making the point there about your uh, maybe young up-and-coming up, up drivers. We used to see it a lot, didn't we? Um, your 10, 15 years ago, drivers would... They'd establish themselves in well, Group N, in the S2, Super 2000 category, whatever it might be, and then they would come in with a bit of commercial backing and they might do three, four, five rounds in a, in a WRC car, as it was. That just isn't happening with this generation of car. But, having said that, it is happening this week, isn't it, with Munstar and Heller. Um, what, what's their approach going to be, Luke? What, what do we think we might expect from them? It is interesting, isn't it, that we have... we have, I don't think we've had any Rally 1 debutants all year, and then we've got two <laughs> on the same event. Actually, that's a lie. Taylor Simon this year, wasn't he? Um, didn't feel like it, I guess, because he'd had WRC experience before. But yeah, it's interesting. And I think, in a way, Heller's the exciting one from a rally perspective because he's a local driver. So it's always great when you've got a local driver in there in the fight in, in the top class. What we can expect from him is probably more difficult to say because we haven't seen that much of him, particularly in recent years in the WRC, but he has been going well in his national championship back home, as we'd expect. I'm pretty sure on this event last year, he was in the fight in WRC 2 until I think a crash on the last day ended up being a, a sort of path for Takamoto Katsuto to win, um, which obviously Taka's now in the, the main Toyota team. But Munster, I would expect to have the edge on Heller, but where Munster will come in against everybody else is it's hard to say but he's had an interesting year and he's not been overly impressive in WRC2 he's not done much to sort of stand out but in fairness to him WRC2 now is very very crowded with great talent so it's very hard to make a an overwhelming impression if you don't have massive experience most of these guys fighting mm. at the front now are all ex-factory drivers <clears throat> essentially so it's a very difficult sort of feel to, to sort of stand out in but Monster, he's, he's done WRC 2, he's done Junior WRC this year, and now he's doing Rally 1, which is quite... I don't think anybody's ever done that. Maybe they have, I'd have to That's think about it. That's a remarkable spread. But it, yeah. it is quite the spread That's of cards. But he's, he's been talking, and I find this really interesting, that obviously this seat is being provided to him and funded by Jordan Serderidis, who, well, it's his car that he's driving, and Jordan has been a backer of Monsters for, I think, a couple of years now. But Monsters has been talking about how this isn't necessarily yet a pathway for him to get to Rally 1, but actually a way for him to improve in WRC 2. And I guess for the reasons that I just said, that all the guys he's fighting against there have this experience of a top car. So he reckons by doing this, it should make him stronger when he comes back to what I assume is going to be another WRC 2 campaign next year. So it's all very interesting, but it is great to see that we do have new names coming in because, as you rightly said, both of you, it is something we have been missing for the last few years i guess particularly in the rally one era so it's nice to see fresh blood and to see how they get on yeah, I mean, what, what do you think that costs colin for for, for uh, gregor Munster oh. and, and alberto to, to do this what does it cost them is it I, do you know what george i i've been thinking about it and i, and I heard mm. figures banded around actually in greece um you know back in the day the wrc cars uh which were nothing like as expensive to run as these new rally one cars you're talking anything, weren't you, from, from 150,000 euros a rally to a quarter of a million euros a rally. 
you know, you, you would pay if you were paying absolute top dollar, you'd pay a quarter of a million for a WRC car for, for a three day event. Um, you're not going to be a single cent less than a quarter of a million euros for one of these new cars. And I can imagine it being as much as another 100,000 maybe on top of that. I, I, I don't know. To be absolutely honest with you, George, I don't know. Uh, but I can't imagine. I know how much one driver was quoted for a full season. Uh, and when you break that down, divide it by 13, and yeah, it was round about 350,000, 400,000 euros a rally for a full season, not a one-off appearance. Um, so, 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 yeah, it, it, you know, it is expensive, and this is an issue. It's, for me, it's a massive issue. You know, we, as a sport, we shoot ourselves in the foot at times, and, and the cost of Rally 1 cars, for me, you know, it, this situation was avoidable. Uh, it really was avoidable. We didn't have to have a situation where the cars themselves were so expensive, and then, on top of that, enormously expensive to run. You know, we knew even out the 2017 cars, that they were becoming too expensive. You know, when, when we had the likes of Prokop and we had Bertelli stepping back saying, mm, this is all just getting a bit much, you're well-funded drivers, then, then you know you've got an issue. Um, and I, I just think it's a shame. You know, it's a shame because you know, I always remember back to the days of Guy Wilkes. Guy Wilkes, you know, was able to go out and get himself a, was it a focus for, for four rounds or something. You know, he could do that. He could pull together some sponsors and he could have a crack. Okay, it didn't work out for him. There aren't many youngsters now that can, can go out and find private sponsorship, private funding to put a four or five round program together. Uh, and that, that for me is an issue going forward. And we should never, ever, ever be in the situation we were in in Finland where it looked for quite some time as if we were going to have five cars turning up on the Saturday. Yeah, Something has great. to be done about it going forward. Um, but, but we're being supported by the, by the South Americans. I think it's great that they have. I'm a little bit surprised, Luke. That it isn't the brother, that it isn't Pedro. That's, I wonder how yeah. he decided on that. Was it a toss of the coin? Was it a wild <laughs> I was about to say, Yeah, we we'll need to yeah, find out. The, the, did they have an arm wrestle? What did they do? <laughs> how did they decide? Was it was it payback for some homework that he did for him when he was younger? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but they're both they're both talented boys. They're both pretty quick. They've shown they've shown glimpses of pace, both Alberto and Pedro Heller, over the past few years. And and do you know what? They've had plenty of seat time. They've done a lot of time. In the rally, two cars in South America. They've come over to Europe and competed for uh, for the last couple of years, three years, I think. So it might be interesting. What, what I'm going to look and and be interested to see, I'm going to look out for, it, is, is their pace compared to the top WRC two cars. Um, not convinced that we're going to see both those rally one cars ahead of the fastest WRC two car at the end of the weekend. I, That's I an interesting point, Greg, actually. Gregoire Munster, I would imagine, to be considerably ahead um uh, on on most stages I, w- I would suggest you know if you know if, if you think he's driving an r5 car flat out he just needs to drive this flat out with a, a slightly different approach to, to 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 breaking distances and things like that but i mean it's relatively it sounds easy doesn't it George? driving flat out it, it kind of does <laughs> i mean uh, having said that you know i i effectively have done that you know i, I drove very small cars and then i got given a, a much more powerful car and I went out and, and and I and I just drove it exactly the same way as I drove the little car, um, mm. which was absolutely flat out. Now I mean I went I went down the odd fire break on the first couple of events. I didn't have much in the way of testing, <laughs> but those were test events. And then it came to the big one, and it came good, you know. So yeah, it's it's, it's um he, he will have to be a little bit careful because he will arrive at a few things a little bit more quickly than he than he thought he might. So and then you know to 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 find that balance will maybe take. Uh, 
you know, you'd honestly say it would take one or two events, one or two days, shall we say. So, and, and you know, WRC events are quite short these days, so there's, there's, there's not a lot of time to feed yourself into it. But I would expect Gregoire to be in front of all the WRC2 cars. Uh, Alberto, I'm, I'm not so sure about, um, but I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, he's, he's probably an incredibly competent driver. He might actually, he might prove to be exactly the same. I don't know, but... Um, the, the team the team undoubtedly were doing a lot of guidance and a lot of instruction but i don't suppose i mean have either of those guys been up to up to m sport to test these cars i imagine that they would have done a small both, test i think at, at m sport that would be a good one i'm to sure know. it's both um yeah heller Hel- 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 has definitely been there heller has definitely been i've seen yeah. a lot of clips of of him i'm pretty sure monster was there as well uh yeah. last yeah last week we're in yeah it's a new week now so last week so yeah, Fantastic. I think they have yeah. done their, their due diligence there yeah. and got a taste, because it'd yeah. be quite so, something, so, wouldn't it, going into Shakedown yeah. <laughs> without trying the car. For, first time, yeah. yeah I, mean, that, that would, I mean, that was basically what Sebastian Loeb did on the Monte Carlo that he won in the Puma, wasn't it? <laughs> That's true. He, he true, that Monte is true. Yeah. Literally just went straight into the, oh yeah, Paris-Dakar, yeah, oh sorry, Dakar, not Paris-Dakar, it was just the Dakar, yeah, yeah, Monte Carlo, same thing, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so so yeah, these guys, you know, they... they Again, you know, just pointing out the fact, you know, so they're customer drivers. They've had the opportunity to go and test the car in, in I mean, I guess, an unlimited fashion because, uh, the, the, you know, the home turf is, is, is where M Sport is. They've got their test roads around them. There's no limitation on what, what they can drive. So, you know, it's as much as they can afford, I suppose, will be one factor. We've talked about the price and it, as much as the team, you know, have, have, equi- have equipment and material to and, and you know, parts mileage to, to let them drive the car. So... You know, point being is if you had enough money, I guess you could go and do days and days of testing and then come along to your first event. Um, so, you know, the, the opportunity is there. If I had the yeah. money, I would, yeah, be along sure. to, I would be along to M Sport. I would be doing weeks of testing in those cars. And then I'd go and do an mm. event. Yes, And yes, I would, probably. <laughs> so, George, so you can do, yeah, the, so the regulations are a one day of testing per event. But that's testing outside of your home testing base. Your home testing yeah. base... You can keep going round and round as, as much as you want for as many days uh, as you want. As I as I understand it, um, and I'm actually to be honest, I've not looked at the regulations for a couple of years with regard to home based testing. But basically, yeah, you you have a the way it was was you had a, quite a small area where you had to set that was your home test area, and and that basically gave you uh, unlimited testing just you know, to go out and shake cars down, to test a new bracket, to do a little bit of you know. Um, um, mileage testing to try a few concepts. I mean, it would be very, very foolish if that had been changed and limited because, I mean, quite frankly, uh, they talk about how wonderful these cars are. If you're not allowed to develop them, there's no point in making them. So I'm, I'm sure that rule still exists. And now I'm going to have to go and check it and come back and fess mm-hmm. up on next week's no, podcast I, and tell everyone that yes, you can or no, you can't. I, I, I agree with you, George. So if, if you're going yeah. down, I'm going down with you. Um, and it's a really <laughs> bad, bad example good, to but, use, but I was at M Sport earlier this year for a Motorsport UK co-driver academy event, and on that particular day, they were doing some development to the Puma on their uh, new development track over there. I'm not allowed to reveal who the driver yeah. was, because I was sworn to secrecy, but you can probably work it out. Um, but yeah, it happens all the time, doesn't it? There's always these little things mm-hmm. going on at, the, at what we call the home bases. Um, so yeah, no restriction yeah. there, as far as I'm aware. But I'm right. As I say, if the comments are going to come at us, then George, we're in it together. 
So all good. Oh, yeah. well. I'll, I'll jump you, in thank, with you as well, boys. I'll take it as well, all three of us. Because I'm with you on that, George. Thank you, Luke. That's my even, even though we're not sure which Luke we've got, whether it's Luke Barry, Luke Berry, or just Berry Luke, we've no idea. Nick Berry, <laughs> Nick Barry. Am I going to change my name? Let's just quickly. Time is moving on, but let's let's quickly look down the entry list and talk about one or two of our other drivers who need big results here. Fair to say a little bit of pressure on Tamo Sunanen, perhaps, to get a result. I think he's done pretty well so far. I think he can certainly uh, hold his head high with his performances in Estonia and Finland. But you know, he's got to consolidate, hasn't he? And he's got to, well, to look to improve here, Tamo Sunanen, because you know there's no guarantees about drives for him next year. He's got to keep proving it. Absolutely, Colin. What Timo has to show to me is reliability, consistency and a pace. So so he's he's got to do what, let's be honest, what Elfin Evans does all the time. He drives to his maximum of his limit right now and, and, and his limit will change because as he gets more experience in the car, he'll be able to go faster. But what he has to do right now is, is show that he can drive consistently and not make a mistake. Uh, and, and I think he should be... I think he's got he's got all the collateral to do that, uh, and I'm sure he's got the mindset to do it. But that that will be what his instruction is: show us that you can actually do this reliably, mate, and be you know close on the pace, but don't make any mistakes. That means you know you can go faster on some stages and you know hold back on others where you're, you you feel there's a higher risk. You know, show the flashes of brilliance, but don't fall off the don't fall off the planet on the other ones, and don't fall off the road. Yeah, big big task. Yeah. yeah. I think he just has to do a sordo, effectively. If if that's a phrase we can now coin, is yeah, be that rear gunner to his teammates. Yeah. And as you say, he doesn't want to be miles off the pace. That's not going to do him any favours. But as you say, the biggest thing he has to do is keep that car on the road so he can be Hyundai's insurance policy. Yeah. I actually think that the main pressure for Tame will be CER at the end of next month. That's where yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. a bit more to prove. This one, I think, actually... Everyone kind of knows where he's at on gravel, so as long as he has a clean event, he, it, he could, as I say, and he's there to mop up points. I don't think he can be asked to do too much more than that, personally. No, no, I agree. But the thing is, it's 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 how much discipline does Sunanen have? You know, because we've That's seen it so have many to times. Colin, exactly. Yeah, that, exactly that is, the point. That is because he, he he will be keen to demonstrate his pace. You know, really keen to demonstrate his pace. Um. And you know, with young drivers who have limited programs, limited opportunities, it is absolutely the easiest route to go down and the quickest route to disaster. Um, you know, just to lose that bit of discipline, to push a little bit too hard, and we've seen it so many times. You know, I mentioned Guy Wilkes earlier on. You know, Guy, Guy had a couple of unfortunate offs, didn't he, in those outings he had in the uh, uh, the Focus World Rally Car. Um, and and there, are, there's, there are many, many young drivers with limited programs that you can look back and say, well, you know, he should have just, just used the time and, and built his mileage. Um, I think for Temo Sunanen, um, if we can see some discipline this weekend from him, uh, that will be a tick in the right place. But I also think, strangely, that we do have to see a bit of pace from him. I think there are still question yep. marks over his pace outside of Finland and Estonia. And I think we have to see some pace. You know, if Hyundai are going to go with him next year, he's got to show that he can he can not just deliver the Sordo type result he has to be able to deliver more than that he has to you know when when there are issues for uh Esapeka, there are issues for Neuville he has to be there to potentially fight yep. for podiums and that is a difficult situation to put Sunan in um might be tricky for him 
Yeah, it's just it's just a, he's just got to quantify the risk. Take take the chances where he feels that the risk is slightly less, and then where where he feels that the risk is greater, that's where he's got to consolidate and show the discipline. Discipline's what he's yeah, got absolutely. to show. He's got he's got fantastic ability. He's, look, he's a lovely guy yeah. and a brilliant driver. It's he's just got yeah. to put this whole package together. And what we what we're saying is actually reality. I'm sure that's exactly what the team instruction will be. You know, keep your yeah. nose clean where you where where there's risk. Stick out. Let's see what you can do where you can. And and you know, yes, there's pressure, but it's certainly not anything that not any of the other WRC drivers haven't gone through and continue to go through event by event. This this is it. Build yourself up, or you know, go and find another job. Yeah, yeah very true. Very true. Yeah. Uh, boys, anything else that we should be discussing then with regards to Rally Chile? Unless you want to do a very quick mention just to where we are with WRC. Two and it's a bit muddied in the fact we've got the drop scores, but big weekend for both that. Gus Greensmith. I love the and... drop scores, Luke. I love the drop scores. <laughs> I hate them because it makes make sort of calculating championship <laughs> permutations very difficult for a simpleton like oh, me. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, Greensmith and Russell essentially both need a win here. Um, if they're going to try and keep Andreas Mickelson under serious pressure, Andreas missing this round, it will be back in CER. Um, so yeah, I think. Mickelson is still the favourite, but Russell and Greensmith both have a great opportunity. But I guess the fly in the ointment there is Oliver Solberg, who I think is now pretty much out of the championship battle completely now. But he can still win the rally and score points and take points away from from others. So he's the one that's proved to be the quickest, I think, over the balance of the season so far. So if Russell and Greensmith want to win, they've got to beat each other and Solberg. So that'll be interesting to mm. me. Yeah, and Russell, it's fair to say, sorry, George, it's fair to say with Russell that he was concerned, wasn't he, three or four months ago, uh, particularly after Portugal and Sardinia, about the pace of that Citroen on gravel. But they did seem to to move things forward by half a step, three quarters of a step, maybe, uh, in Greece. And I think Rossell will, will go into the event with reasonable hope of a good result. What's really exciting uh, about that is, for, for me, any of the top six drive, any of those top six yeah. WRC2 drivers could be winning this event. I think it's fabulous. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, boys, it's, can I... It's, it's got more it, more, it, uh, more more jeopardy in there than the WRC, Colin, or oof. as much as, at least. We love a bit of jeopardy, George. Oh, we yes. love it. Talking about jeopardy, talking about jeopardy, can I read you something I've just been sent? It's just been sent to me. So I'm, I'm off on my way, as I said, in 12 hours' time to Chile with LATAM Airlines. Yeah. No problems. Very good airline indeed. What do you make of this, George? What, should I be worried about this text message they've just sent me? Hi, Colin. So that part's all pretty straightforward. Listen to this bit. We are sorry to inform that your flight Atrazar LA with destination to 8.04 is Melbourne. The new departure time is at Santiago de Chile on Tuesday the 26th, uh, 2023. Check other flight options by going to 2100 hours. <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? Okay. Does that, that mean I'm mean, in trouble? That, mean, that means your pilot, you're going to end up in Argentina somewhere on some some, some puddle jumper, I think. Which hopefully, which hopefully can get mean? over the Andes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no idea what that means. No. Uh, anyway, I'm going to have to go and, and check and make sure that I'm going to Chile because I'm not sure that's a great text message to get. Uh, boys, it's been a joy. It's been a joy talking to you. Uh, George, you're off uh, to do a, a bit more important engineering work today. Yes, I am. Yeah, I've got uh, I've I've got to keep the, uh, the 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 wheel the the wheels of the oil industry turning, um, happily. Fabulous. And uh, we've got lots on the go. Lots on the go at the moment. I'm meant to be on holiday today, but no chance. Oh. So uh, 
Oh, you uh, three, three jobs offshore, so that keeps me busy. George, well, listen, uh, we'll catch up with you next week for sure. And Luke, what about you, deputy, not deputy editor, full editor now of dartfish.com? Um, a busy day ahead for you? Yeah, Mondays are always quite interesting, the start of a new week. Um, particularly WRC week, we've got lots of stuff coming. So I guess stay tuned to the website and all our socials to see all the news and analysis before Chile and obviously as the rally progresses as well. Absolutely, absolutely right. Uh, well, I'm off to check out that um, slightly baffling text message I just received. Yeah. Folks, uh, thank you very much yeah. for joining us on this, the 201st edition of Spin the Rally Pod. We'll see you all again next week.